I probably even had a bit of imposter syndrome as well. I think there's a bit of comfort in knowing that, that even when I'm wrecked or regardless of how the last, I'm just going to do the exact same every time and I'll visualize just the ball going through. Like, So it was kind of, it was a stressful period, not going to lie, you hear. How do players at the top level in rugby do what they do? And what can young, ambitious players learn from them and their journeys to achieve their own dreams in the game? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Brian Moylet, former Irish age-grade international player, now mental performance coach, and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod. Hey, hope you're keeping well, and if you're up in the Northern Hemisphere, hope pre-season is going all right for you. Today I'm chatting with Craig Ronaldson, who spent six years at Connacht Rugby getting 89 caps and winning the Pro 12 in 2016. Craig's career path has been different to a lot of players, and he's now back as a player coach at NACE, which is his home club in the second tier of Irish club rugby, AIL1B, which is a very high level. Craig talks in the pod about a lot of setbacks he had growing up, not really making any rep teams, and how he kept pushing when he wasn't getting looks anywhere. Craig went through the club system to the pro game, and we played together in Lansdowne before he signed with Connacht. A couple of times throughout the chat, you'll see the importance of backing yourself and putting in the work to get to where you want to get to. Also, if you're a kicker or a kicking coach, you'll love this one. Craig is an absolutely phenomenal place kicker, and in the pod, he gives a lot of insights around what will help you with your kicking. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss an episode, and please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. So here's episode number 58 with Craig Ronaldson. Dealing with money can be very stressful, and especially with everything that's happening in the world right now and stock markets crashing. If you're not an expert, it can be difficult to know what to do. Sparks Wealth is an Irish financial planner and they are experts when it comes to dealing with finances and helping guide you on what's best for your situation. You can book a free call with Will now at Sparks Wealth on their website sparkswealth.ie. Recently a family member of mine did just that and was so happy they did so. They said Will guided them through everything in a simple, easy to understand way, no jargon, and it was a brilliant experience. So that's sparkswealth.ie. So how's life? Good, good, yeah, good, Brian, good. Um, very good, I summered well, enjoyed the summer, and enjoyed uh, kind of switching off and, and the off-season per se, but um, looking forward to kind of getting back into the swing of things. It's the kind of busy time of year and that kind of hectic period where, where all the kind of the planning and everything comes together and, and the teams are starting back up and... Uh, Games are getting back up and going as well. We we had our first uh, first club game there, first preseason game there last Friday night. So um, a bit of a shock to the system, but it's good. Feeling good. Nice one. And what teams are you involved with this season? So uh, I'm still still playing a bit, still trying to play a bit. So I, I'm um, Let's go. one of the one of the player coaches with uh, Nice Rugby Club now at the moment. So um, they're my. Local team, basically, I grew up playing for them when I was younger. Um, dad played for them and all that. So 
I played for NACE up until I was 12 before I left to go to school. So um, kind of a bit of full circle, to be honest, to be back and, and helping out and, and doing a bit of coaching and playing. So really enjoying that. Um, we play in the, the kind of 1B, the second division of, of Irish rugby. So we had a really good year last year. We we got to the, the playoff final to, to get promoted, but um, lost out of the final hurdle. But um, it's been really good, really enjoying it. And then I'm kind of during the day, I'm in Wesley College in the school up in Dublin now. So I'm uh, director of rugby there now in the school. Um, last year was my first year in that, uh, in that position. So um, it's been good. Yeah, school with big ambition, uh, good history and stuff like that. But, um, you know, trying to try trying to compete and, and keep up and um, put our best foot forward on the rugby front as well. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Really nice one. Good stuff. And where are you living? Are you back towards Nace? Yeah. So I'm living in Nace now. So um, myself and the wife bought a house there last summer in Nace. So kind of based there, up and down the road then to, to Wesley in Dublin. It's not too bad when, when the traffic isn't isn't too bad, but um, that's good. So yeah, back in the evenings then, I'm only... 10 minutes outside to the rugby club so uh, it works out well in that regard cool and how are you finding that um director of rugby or what's involved with what you're doing with wesley yeah so um it's a bit of everything to us right it's quite a kind of a fluid position I, I kind of um found myself when i initially after covid when i finished up um with the professional route, I was kind of looking around at a few different options and I coached in a different school for a year while I was doing some other underage stuff at Leinster. And um, I had the connection with Wesley College from my, from my time in college when I was in university in Ireland. I, uh, I lived in Wesley as a kind of a housemaster and I coached rugby for a year or two there. So I had, I had some good connections. And when they kind of found out I was back on the scene, they were, they were in touch and uh, wanted to get me back involved with the rugby program. And um, it's just a lot of good people I always got on really well so initially I came in as one of the senior coaches and um, kind of a coaching coordinator trying to align all the coaches and um, making sure all the teams were well resourced and kind of I've taken more of a step towards a director rugby role now which um, I still do I still do coach I still help coach the seniors now which is um, something I kind of want to stay doing I like I like being on the pitch and with that with and so it's a big part of it but also um i kind of touched on it. a lot of it is about just kind of creating our r- rugby and vision amongst the school trying to align all the coaches and um, so our kind of our language and the way we're coaching from the first years the 12 year olds right the way up to our six years and 18 year olds is kind of similar that they're not being taught completely different from one group to the next and then um a lot of the fun off-field stuff that I'm having to learn about as well in terms of budgets and um, planning and uh, the hiring of coaches and trying to get guys in and keep guys and um, organizing trips and tours and the likes and stuff like that. So uh, a, lot, a lot of kind of stuff is just reacting as well and, and dealing with the kids and the parents as well. But um, really enjoying the challenge, as I said. I'm, like, I'm kind of learning on the job and I'm I'm myself very much leaning on uh, some of my kind of other rugby contacts who I've made throughout the years, who who's a few guys in similar positions in different schools, who, which are a great help as well. So um, that's been good, really good. Nice one. Those budgets are a lot easier up there in Dublin than they were in Ross Gray anyway. You get to, you get to all the cool <laughs> I things. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to say the least anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and how many teams are, or what's the rugby in Wesley like these days? Because what are the other sports? And then, like, is there any challenge getting guys playing rugby? Because I know that they play hockey as yeah. well. And then, like, yeah. how many how many teams are there? Or? 
That's right. So, like, you know a bit yourself, Brian, from the kind of the Leinster school set of, like, Wesley wouldn't be one of the big rugby schools now. Um, so we're, we're, we're probably one of the best hockey schools in the country. Um, hockey is, um, you know, it's a big resource in the hockey here. A lot of kids play it, um, especially the girls. It's the main sport for the girls. Um, but um, so it's kind of a bit of a split, to be honest. And, and that's kind of one of the the challenges with, with kind of the rugby program is um, kind of the sharing of athletes and making sure guys have the ability to play both um, and kind of succeed at both, but also not, you know, clashing and being smart and not overtraining and burn out of some guys because you know, yourself, some of the better athletes are, are they're just good sports people. So they find mm. themselves doing all their training on two or three or four different teams. So it's trying to manage those guys. So uh, in, in terms of rugby now, we probably have just under, about, 280 290 boys and girls playing in the school um so we, we aim to have about three first year teams um hopefully we'll have about two second year teams then two junior teams uh ideally keep that all the way through then we'll have a ty team and a first and a second senior team is kind of how we look to go we'd, we'd four senior teams last year which was great we had a, a social team as well as um two senior teams and a, and a transition year team, which was, which was good for the school, but we probably won't have that numbers next year now. So it kind of goes in, in cycles. Some years are very big rugby years. You'll, you'll, you'll find out a lot of them will have played before or they've been experienced with it and they're very keen sports people. Some other years you won't have had the same level of exposure to rugby as maybe some others have. So it kind of fluctuates up and down, but um, that was a good, the last few years now who have come in have been very keen rugby years and, and seem to be mad into it. And uh, off the back of last year as well, we, we had a great year in terms of, um, you know, a bit of exposure for the schools with both our junior and senior cup teams and, um, qualifying for the quarterfinal which which was great for the school now so that kind of um had a bit of buzz behind it and allowed some of those younger years to get um you know even just to see the school win a match in Donnybrook was massive for those guys so um hopefully we can kind of continue to build on that momentum nice one and I suppose we'll, we'll just go back the ways and then you mentioned there when you were leaving um professional rugby so chat to you about that and then we'll go back with chat about yeah. Connors and all that but just going back say a couple of years um so when you left, didn't you then like go in and train with Leinster for a bit and you were injured and, and just talk to me about that whole period because then you went down this route. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, my last game for Connacht was actually against Leinster when I tore, basically did all the ligaments in my knee and, and did, a, did a kind of right job on it. So I, I ended up obviously having to get surgery on that and that had me out for basically the rest of that season. And um, so we were kind of, to and fro and over contract but in the end there was nothing on the table for the following year and um kind of like the snc coach johnny o'connor and stuff was great in connor he kind of even though my contract was up for that following summer i kind of stayed in with him kind of just rehabbing because um the whole intention was to try to get back playing and to find another um team in a club and then uh, a bit of a complication with the knee I ended up having to get a second surgery on it then um when i was kind of so at the end of that kind of summer, um, should I say, Leinster kind of got in touch with me. I was in touch with a few clubs and Leinster were, were in touch about coming into training. It was during that World Cup period when they were um, short a few few tens. So I kind of went in as a bit of injury cover, but it was, it was kind of also uh, 
to kind of help me complete my rehab per se. So I was able to get in there with their physios and um, Cal Denver and the likes who were great. And then it was at that stage, I was back kind of pretty much fully running. So I was able to help out with training in, in that regard and, and help with our numbers. So it's good experience for the World Cup um, period and um, allowed me to kind of get back on my feet a bit as well. But as I say, so I also joined back Lansdowne then, a club in Dublin at the time. And um, yeah, I, I kind of tried to play a game or two, but I still had a bit of issue with my knee. It wasn't fully right. I ended up having to get a second surgery on it. And uh, it was kind of at that stage where I knew kind of the professional route wouldn't really be an option anymore. A lot of teams were pulling out, um, you know, you say if you, you hear rumors and things like that for certain clubs showing interest, but then, um, you know, once the secondary sur- second surgery happened, that kind of most clubs pulled out. And that's kind of where them. Um, that that kind of knee injury basically finished my professional career but then so it kind of uh in a way it kind of probably helped me in, in a bit and, and just to know that kind of door was closed and to kind of fo- fully focus on it but in another way it kind of um you know i probably didn't plan as best for that kind of the finish of my career should i say because i had still intentions of going abroad and i was still talking to this there was a few options potentially we go abroad here or there do a few other things but nothing kind of came off the back of that so once i got back up and running after that second surgery i I still kind of felt like i could play a bit probably just um you know probably not that i had much pace to start with in the first place but probably lacking a bit of that anyway but um i kind of managed to get back up and going with Lansdowne to the tail end of that season which was great just to get a few games again just to kind of try to get a few games which was great and I was coaching with a club then Gonzaga um, sorry a school up in Dublin as well off the back of that and um, a few lengths of things but so that following season then was kind of when I realised um, look I'm going to have to need, I need something a bit more full time I kind of need to be um, have something with a bit more routine a bit more schedule that, that I can kind of rely on a bit more um, coaching was something I was really passionate about something I really want to do I wanted to stay in the game as much as I could as well um, and so kind of thankfully um, that the role at Wesley College came up a few other skills but that role came up and it was also at the same time that NACE um, were changing their kind of um, direction and their kind of coaching panels so they kind of got on to me and it just felt like a good fit at the time to kind of go back there to the home club as a bit of a player coach and there. Um, along with kind of Johnny Murphy, who came in as a head coach, and Andy Kearney, it was a whole new kind of setup across the board. And uh, that kind of, um, yeah, timing-wise, it kind of worked out well for me, to be honest. Just just before the kind of whole pandemic and shutdown and everything, I, I, I just kind of got my feet in the door at these places. So, um, yeah, in a way, because as I said, it probably wasn't the worst time to kind of finish up your professional career, seeing some guys getting signed off not have in front of empty stadiums um you know squads were being cut pretty ruthlessly across the board as well so um yeah look i i, I had a great six or seven years down in, in Galway and was very thankful for it so i i'd uh, no regrets that's for sure nice one and yeah it can be challenged like you say because like someone as you say after six seven years in college you could easily go to probably two fed one italy yeah. italy like there's there's so many places that you could go, but then the, the injury complication really throws things, you know, like you'd obviously pick up a contract yeah. somewhere mm. ordinarily. And then, yeah, that's just, yeah, uh, yeah throw, yeah, really throws things. And that things. was the whole, uh, the whole uncertainty of it as well, even with, with like my partner and stuff as well. She didn't know whether to kind of apply for certain schools. She's a teacher, so she was wondering, should she apply for school job? And I was like, look, we, we have interest from Italy here. Was, like you said, I was chatting to a few clubs in France and, 
uh, Wales and stuff as well, but um, just just couldn't commit, like, you know, at the end of the day. So it was kind of, it was a stressful period, not going to lie, you, you hear people's transitioning out of, of things. It's no, uh, there's no one size fits all for everyone. Everyone has their own kind of different way of dealing with it or transitioning. Out. So it was a tough period, but um, at the same time, I kind of feel like I, I, I was lucky enough with how it worked out and I've, I've done okay anyway, yeah. Yeah, nice one. You're flying it now. And yeah. so starting out then when you're younger, when you said you started playing with Nace and was it always rugby? Did you play any other sports growing up? Pretty much. Uh, we were pretty much a rugby household, to be honest, right? So my um, my dad was played rugby throughout Nace. He was captain of the club. He played captain of Leinster Juniors and all that. My granddad played rugby for Ireland as well back in the day. So um, it was kind of... Um, both sides of the family were big rugby families, so it was ever from what was it, whatever I was six, seven years old. It was always just get the rugby on in hand. Not to say I never played other sports. I was any bit of sport. I was mad in it, whatever it was, football, soccer, golf, tennis, hockey. I played a bit of everything, but it was always kind of rugby for me. I was probably one of those um, freaks when I was young. I was just obsessed with it. So um, anything I could always watch any game that was on. Um, probably still a bit like that to be honest I'll find a game I'll, I'll watch it I'll, I'll kind of I like to try and kind of keep the head in the game so um, yeah that's that's pretty much how it was but saying that like it was never it was never the case of like my dad never coached me or anything like that or anything like, he was never was never pushed into it or it was always just I just love doing it so um, yeah that's uh, um, yeah big, big part of the family I'd say for sure nice one. and then yeah. I'm sure in Kilkenny you started mm-hmm. playing three four or five times a week or like started playing a lot and is that or what at what point then do you ever say get serious with it yeah so it's kind of like you probably know a bit yourself from being when I, I was a boarder in kilkenny so yeah. kind of you have a lot of spare time and stuff after school so we would just find ourselves kicking rugby i used to just kick rugby every day or we'd, you'd be out with the boarders having matches or after study in the evenings if it was a good evening you'd be out playing games of touch or, or similar things like that so i actually thought that was a, a massive help just to be in that kind of environment where everyone just loved rugby and playing it so uh, but it probably wasn't until i'd say look it, i was probably too shy to kind of say to anyone that this is what I actually wanted to do up until I was yeah. about you know last year of school I was kind of it was in my head I was like I, I want to be a professional good player but I kind of never really said it out loud to anyone or fully kind of committed to that goal and uh, it was only kind of when I started getting a bit of kind of Leinster schoolboy representation and stuff and getting up to a few trials and um going kind of there thereabouts that I kind of this is kind of something I want to do. Even at that, to be honest, I was never one of the top players in my age group. I was never, I didn't play, I missed out in the Irish 20s and stuff like that. So um, even at that stage, I, I was hesitant, but I still remember chatting to my career guidance teacher in sixth year in school. And we used to do these um, personality tests and to see what area of the workforces you might want to go in. And she handed me back my booklet and just looked at me. She said, Craig, there's no hope for you. All it was was my sports bar was just up top. Every other area was like down low. And she was like, what are we going to do with you? I was like, I, don't know. I was like, all I want to do is be involved in sports. So <laughs> yeah. she's like, you, well, you better make it or you have no hope. So I was like, Jesus, thanks for that. So um, yeah, probably from then on. And then even like, even in college, even though I was, I didn't make the kind of the academy or the sub academy, I kind of, I, I kind of probably trained as if i kind of wasn't it or with a view of still trying to get professional contracts even though like look i enjoyed my college years and i was kind of probably in a way thankful that i wasn't in those kind of seven head chin sessions and still be able to go out with my mates but I, I kind of trained hard and i kind of had it in my head that 
like I still want to try to get a professional contract off the back of that. So that was probably very much my focus from kind of late teens right into my kind of early 20s was the goal of uh, yeah, trying to pursue it. Nice one. And what were you thinking, say, during that university period, like we'd been playing together in Lansdowne, but was it just whatever comes up or was it like a professional contract somewhere in particular or was it just I'm going to try and be the best I can be? Or what were you thinking? Yeah, it was a... It's kind of a funny one because you know, you're playing against your peers there in other clubs and teams and universities, the guys who are starting for the Irish Leinster 20s, guys in your position, you feel like, oh, you know, like your direct competition and we'd be going, all right, you have a good team, you'd play well. And you'd say, Look, sometimes you'd be feeling hard done for yourself, I should be in there or whatnot, or, and you'd have bad times with injuries at times as well. But for me, it was kind of... Um, it was very much, I kind of wanted to make that. I didn't initially have in my head a certain area or country that I wanted to be. I just wanted to be a professional player. But then when it came to it, so my kind of first, after my first season of playing senior rugby in Lansdowne, I had a few offers in the championship in England. And uh, I was close to taking them, but I just didn't feel like they were the right fit, to be honest. And I kind of, I kind of thought I knew we'd have a, a good squad in Lansdowne and I thought you know we'd have a chance of winning our first AIL and there'd be you know a good bit of publicity off the back of that hopefully and if it played well something might happen and uh, thankfully that was the case um, you know so I kind of I still remember like it was a, a different age at the time but he, he basically said if you, if you don't take these roles you're, you'll never be a professional player and it kind of stuck me I was like I had a bit of a bee in my bonnet then about trying to prove him wrong and other people wrong about doing it the AL and playing well and um, yeah look thankfully kind of after a good season with Lansdowne Connacht came calling off the back of that and uh, I just I just to be honest it was just a really good fit like I couldn't have loved Galway or the people even more and um, you yeah, know I was, I was kind of very thankful how it worked out I was also because I, I was close to going into the Munster Academy at the time as well at the same time but um I was, I was a bit old for the academy at that time and I kind of decided to go to Connacht instead of Munster and um, to be honest, I'm happy I did, yeah. yeah. Legend. Yeah. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one, but because it's funny because everyone wants to be a professional rugby player. You know, like that's the goal is yeah. to be a professional. And the way you said there, you turned down the championship because another side of it is you need to be somewhere where you're enjoying your rugby, you're mm. playing really well, you're being mm. pushed and you're in a good environment, you know? So there's there's those kind of two things. And you... Yeah, a lot of it was that environment thing. I knew if you got, I talked to a few guys in the championship and I'd heard some mixed reports. Look, like some guys loved it, got on really well, got on to bigger things. Some guys, Chanto, they felt they kind of got stuck in a bit of a rut out there and they, they, they kind of found it a bit of a slog and tough going. So that was just for me, what I personally felt w- w- would be best for me and, and environment and the people involved were a big part of that. So, yeah. Yeah, nice one. And then just um, chat to me briefly about, because I remember back then hearing your representative or lack of it, I remember being so shocked when, we, when you were, we were 20s or a senior, mm-hmm. but like just chat to me with people listening, like what your represent, what you did with Leinster um, yeah. underage before because you got signed with Connacht then after a year or two in senior club rugby yeah so I kind of went through the like was in the Leinster schools play, but um, literally the week before the Interpros I did my back uh, when I was in fifth year and that had me out for basically the for majority of six year, I only played about two games in six year in school. Two two games, I literally got back for the cup. So basically, got back for the game before the cup and and a few games. So um, 
I kind of hardly played any rugby in sixth year and uh, was played for the Leinster 19s then that summer after sixth year and then um, following year for the Leinster 20s, similar enough, I had a few niggles and injuries and basically just got cut the week before the Interpros, so didn't make the final squad. That one stung at the time, actually. I was kind of, I took a bit to get over because it felt like we were, we had a really good Lansdowne 20 team at the time and I thought we were going well until I was playing well so that was kind of a, a bit of a setback but at the time kind of you know as, as it was something I was always um, push hard on myself was to kind of react to those setbacks well and to kind of make sure um, you know I always use it as well I'd probably I'm someone who has picked up my fair share of injuries throughout my kind of career as well and I always kind of tried to use them as a time to to kind of get better and not kind of linger or be moaning and stuff to, to really try to come back a better person and player. So um, that's kind of how I looked at those disappointments at the time. And even even for the Irish 20s as well, that year I was due to be called up to a training camp and got injured with Lansdowne. I, I did my knee ligaments training with Lansdowne or with Lansdowne against Trinity the week before. So um, it was another right at the, the time. So I was just like, look, it's obviously not meant to be. So I'll just keep the head down for the next year or two and see how things go. And um yeah, that was it. So, like, I played like a Leinster development, then played the kind of the Irish clubs as well off the back of that um, year or two kind of later when I was kind of out of that 20 system with Lansdowne. So that was a great ex- exposure as well, getting to go over to England and Scotland and stuff and play those games with some of the best kind of club players in Ireland as well. So that was kind of, um, felt like a nice stepping stone and kind of, um, you know, when, when you kind of go all right on that scene, I you know, I felt a bit more confident that I that I was or that I would be able to step up if if it came about. So probably helped as well. And yeah. you mentioned those like say, what was it, seven, age 17, kind of a year out, age, you know, 18, and there's kind of another couple injuries that are not insignificant. How was that for and you say you always use it for motivation, was it always easier or are they tough to like keep going? Because that's a time when you kind of feel a lot like it's make or break. You know, when you're that age, yeah. you're like, yeah, when you're that time. age at those. It's like, it's like the end of the world sometimes, oh. like looking back and But, um, like, I still remember when I did my back um, in the fifth year, I had to go to a specialist and uh, one of those who didn't really know a huge amount of rugby basically told me that I should retire there and then, that I shouldn't play any more rugby, that my back was that bad. And I was like, Jesus, where is this coming from? And I remember just being like, inconsolable that night and I was like what the hell am I going to do and then I was like nah you know what screw this I, my mom said that's the story I went out and I bought a new pair of Adidas Predators the following day apparently and uh, they were like even though I didn't wasn't able to do anything for a while that was like the motivation to get back into those boots like and then um, get back kicking and stuff and uh, that, that was probably how it was I think like my you know my family were quite good at that my dad was always always good for you know a quiet word in that front and they were probably I'd say they were probably hurting more than me a lot of the time with these injuries and disappointments, but they were always really good at just picking me back up and then um, you know that's around me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just kind of it was just something that I get the feeling if it had been once off injury or the big semi, but I, I'd had my fair share of like I mean junior cup. I broke my I broke my thumb when I was the captain. Missed pretty much the full year junior cup. Um, so it's kind of I, I'd had a few different things throughout the years that I'd kind of I'd had to deal with a small bit of not that you'd call it massive adversity, but you know a few little setbacks at, at times that um, you know I, I do felt kind of made me a bit stronger off the back of it. Yeah, yeah you're well used to it then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's for sure. Yeah, and how did you find going um, from? 
lands down to Connacht, like stepping up into a professional environment, because then that's your first real taste. Like you said, you weren't in the Leinster yeah. Academy, you weren't involved in those kind of things. And, you know, Lansdowne was, was brilliant. But how how did you find that? Yeah, um, really enjoyed it. Like it was the first time probably fully being able to commit to just rugby, you know, like just thinking about it in the evenings, not having to worry about a day job or not having to do anything, everything just solely folks around. I loved it initially. Like it, it, took, it did take my body a while to get used to it. I just wasn't used to that professional training setup. So it was definitely a shock to the system. Like that preseason, I remember being very tough and uh, I can remember the weather was unbelievable or something as well that summer so it was tough going and even like I probably even had a bit of imposter syndrome as well to be honest you know going down here and uh, like that I hadn't been involved I was coming out of the AIL I'd say a few lads were looking at me wondering what's this lad doing here or wanting to know much so I was very much trying to prove myself and kind of gain a respect pretty quickly of, of the other guys and the coaches and uh, um, so yeah, and then you just you just find yourself getting chucked into a first preseason game. I remember actually we went to watch Ulster. Like when I announced we were signing, kind of played Ulster the last game of the season before I was to join. So me and my dad went down to the sports ground, watched them play Ulster. The atmosphere was class, but I just remember looking at the size of that. So I was like, oh my god! So like I'm potentially going to be ta- trying to tackle these lads next year and be amongst it. Um, and it, they just felt like massive. But then when you're in amongst it, you know you're kind of you don't think in the second nature, but you're fully involved in it and um you know you kind of just uh get stuck in and uh yeah i loved it Re- really enjoyed it like really like i really enjoyed the kind of being the you know at 10 or 12 i loved the whole kind of the detail around it and like the, um, the video analysis and getting stuck into game plans and really trying to understand and learn the tactics of the game and what the coaches wanted and just happened just happened like that pat lamb who came in in his first year he was very big on that as well and was really big in his detail and kind of used to have quizzes as well around who would know their game plan the best and who would know different areas. And I used to kind of, I used to try kind of pride myself on winning those kind of quizzes all the time and stuff. And I think he kind of respected that as well off the back of that. So, um, look, a few little things, but, um, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was really good. Nice. That's cool. And what kind of say detailed things would you have been doing or can you remember like that, that you hadn't done in the club game? But like, first of all, the whole kind of, calling there was so much more calls and like your language and stuff was to get that kind of down and you know obviously you have your playbooks and things with clubs but it was just to a whole another level with um with the professional setup and then you know I, I kind of wanted to know what yeah as as a 10 at the time and stuff you, you kind of want to know a bit of what everyone's kind of doing so I'd be trying to understand a bit more where the line outs and stuff knowing the calls where a ball would be coming from type of plays like that and what work what kind of would work best in different areas of the pitch or um back three calls um you know the centers how we were kind of feeling on different plays and then it was yeah it was just all that kind of language and that real understanding basically in different areas of the pitch and different kind of setups you know i suppose in the club game you'd probably a lot of the time you'd make a call initially you just go with it back it but being able to we kind of probably from video analysis from having seen pictures of what other clubs or other players were doing previously so what you make calls on or how they were reacting to calls you were making being able to change things like that that was probably a, a big um one of the big things for sure and was ever overwhelming or you said you enjoyed it a lot yeah um overwhelmed. I, I don't know probably definitely enjoyment was like the main 
main aspect it was something I wanted to do and something I worked hard for for a while so I was kind of just loved being in amongst it and I kind of really wanted to make sure I kind of you know it lasted oh I didn't want to just be down there for one season so I kind of worked hard at trying to get that first senior contract after I initially went down but uh, there's there probably a, a small bit like uh, I remember my first start for Connacht was four or five games that we played the Ospreys and um, and when they were like Dan Bigger and I was carving up at the time and they hammered us in the fourth ground. I remember thinking like he he intercepted one of my passes and ran half the pitch. Like when my first pass of the game, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, this is literally like my first start here. Like thankfully I kicked the right, but everything else, it was just one of those games where nothing really happened for me. I was like, bloody hell. Like, and that was kind of a bit of a reality check. You know, you think you're kind of getting in amongst it and then you're like, um, yeah, I have a bloody long way to go if I want to kind of be around this team for a bit longer. So that was that was definitely um, thing. And you kind of get those every now and again. Like I kind of I, I would have liked to think that I never really took it for granted, or um, you know, kind of um, I'd like to think that I kind of tried to to be in the moment as much as possible with my time there. Yeah, yeah, I love that too. Is what you say about not taking it for granted, no matter what yeah. team you're at. You know, like even playing with Lanza or playing anywhere, like playing with Kilkenny, like not, it's a good mindset to have not to be taken yeah. for granted that you, that you're always going to be there. Exactly. And, and even, I'm even finding it even more so now at the moment, like I know I probably don't have much long left playing as well. So I'm kind of really trying to enjoy my games and the rugby at the moment and trying to kind of help out the younger guys. And, and even, as I said, like last year we got to a playoff final, like a lot of guys, it was a first year payment and they might feel that might happen every year and you know that might not be the case you might never get back there again so yeah. like it's very much trying to say to guys look enjoy these times and you know it like we're going to have to work even harder this year that we don't take it for granted that it will just happen so um yeah I, I think I've definitely got better as that the longer I've gone on as well and you know self kind of experience teaches you as well how to kind of handle situations differently as well so um definitely more relaxed on that front nice and with um like kicking would have been such a big part of your game like you're you know so good at it and but well, i remember pat lamb there's a thing that connacht didn't kick like literally didn't kick the ball for a season or maybe yeah. a season and a half was there much adjusting of your game because like with once again with lanza like you're just mm. kick like that was kind of the lanza game plan as well it was based around your kicking and so was there any adjusting there yeah, it was, it was definitely a big kind of mindset shift. But I think that's why Pat, he literally went, he tried to flip the whole thing. And basically, he wanted the whole team to change their mindset, no matter how difficult or what it was, that there would literally be no kicking in our half or an exit. So we tried to run pretty much everything. And that was the kind of way he went about it. And uh, yeah, it definitely took a while. Like it, it was just all habits or certain pictures or areas of picture just used to look, this is what we're doing, fall into your comfort zone. So it very much was trying to... Uh, um, get out of your comfort zone kind of um, it, like basically keep up with the team and the strategy because if you if you weren't going to do it he was going to find someone else who would do it and who would kind of stick to the game plan to the system so it was trying to kind of uh, improve your skill set all the time that you could be adaptable and fit into whatever game plan he wanted and it was making sure that you could do that run pass kick option whatever it may be so that he that you felt like that he could have trust in you then for whatever game plan he wanted to do after that initial uh suppose initial shocker for everyone to get used to it yeah cool so so you find out kind of the way he wants to play the game and then you 
develop your skill set obviously so what in extras and training you're kind of working on your yeah. run pass or different things like that definitely yeah it was, it was definitely a big part of it. and we, we brought in a skills coach there and dave ellis at the time who was great for he'd, he'd help facilitate those extras and it, it was massive he was very much about guys going to him to help he wasn't going to go chase guys after training so certain parts of our game um you know where like in back there was so many articles about being us running that two four two shape at the mm. time with that pot of four in the middle. So it was getting really good, being really comfortable at being as a back, being in behind that pot of four as well, and those different options. So that was a big skill set, being able to kind of read the pictures and the cues in front of you, knowing what calls to call it the back of that shape. So we used to rep that a lot. We used to rep our um yeah our different like set piece plays, just certain types of kicks as well. It wasn't just around like kicking on the edge or these crossfield kind of kicks that we used to do at the time it was kind of a certain type of kick and skill so it was definitely um trying to kind of adapt and upskill yourself to kind of suit the to suit the game plan i'm curious you piqued my interest with kicking but uh so what kind of kicks so what kind of kicks did you find different so obviously you got your say clearance kicks you got yeah. straight crossfield kicks like kick passes not quite the kick pass but like nearly the kind of the crossfield Gary Owen I'd call them like oh yeah, so yeah like crossfield up under yeah basically like that so you kind of like that so you're falling behind so it wasn't a kick I'd done a huge amount of before like it was either mm. like a long clearance or else it was a short little kick pass so that, that was a bit of a, a bit of a change one um you also just had our kind of um a light but with me being left footed as well I kind of um we'd always split our pitch in half with our right footers and our left footers so for me it was very much about kicks down the left hand side of the pitch so off mid scrums or anything I'd always generally pop in as like a first receiver on that left hand side or, or look to control the left hand side of rooks um, so those kind of those, those corner kicks as well I suppose nearly those kind of nearly 50-22s as you nearly look for them now as the game has gone on but really kind of those kicks to that left hand side were a big one and then speaking of attacking kicks as well those kind of those, those little um, grubbers or, or little I think chip kicks and stuff like that that you probably had to make sure you had in the locker if you needed them you know so um, that's something like you know, they've, they've kind of progressed really well as already and you see like all the best attacking teams these days are have a very strong like, attack and kick intent as well so it's it's a big part of breaking teams down 100 okay. percent. and um then with connex say what were the what were your best time most enjoyable period there my best and most enjoyable period um like it's 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 easy to say the kind of the the Pro 12 win and that season i really enjoyed the kind of the start of that season kind of the, the middle of that season when we felt like it just felt like everyone just knew exactly what they were doing. The game plan, you'd feel like you'd, you'd beat anyone regardless of who you were playing just because you knew the game plan worked at that time. Um, we were able to beat teams. Um, like I, was, I was playing a lot. We were, we were winning a lot of matches. You just felt really confident. So I really enjoyed that time. Um, then, yeah, so I kind of did my ankle and I missed the end of that season. So it kind of wasn't really the kind of... You enjoyed it because you contributed throughout the year, but you don't really feel part of it on the day when you're kind of not out there playing. So, but uh, no, that was a great period. But I also actually really enjoyed the following year when I'd been out for a while. That pretty much whole summer came back, and then we had some big European. We beat Toulouse, um, beat Was. We said we went on a nice little run there uh, of games, and uh, I just felt I was really, I just felt I was in a good place, uh, you know, and the team I was contributing a lot. I just. Um, I really enjoyed that period. I felt like we were kind of respected more as a team after having won the league the year before. And 
it was definitely a tougher year because of that. Um, but um, at the same time, we were kind of taking a good few scalps as well. Um, you know, because we, we we were confident we were a good team. So um, that, that was probably an enjoyable period as well. Yeah. And I then the, the other usual, like, you know, I used to love the, the pre-seasons, like towards the end of the, not the start of the pre-seasons, but, you know, when you go on your trips away as a group, whether it be to France or wherever, getting that kind of um, team time with the whole squad before kind of, you know, teams had been picked and all, it was always a really enjoyable, there was always a great buzz around those trips. Everyone was in, um, you know, everyone was fighting hard to try to get those slots before they'd been picked. And uh, I always really enjoyed the atmosphere of those trips as well. Nice one. Yeah, actually, on that preseason, the tail end of it, when you're, get, when you're actually feeling a bit fit and the weather's good and the sun is out, it's actually quite, it's enjoyable, yeah, isn't it? Nothing better, but training no. the meter out there and yeah. out to back rock for a dip or whatever it is, like, like feeling like you're actually a bit fitter and feeling like you've put the work in as well with your mates and nothing better, isn't it? No, for sure. And you mentioned earlier, say, with the game against the Ospreys with Dan Bigger, like throwing the interceptor. How did you deal with or did you deal well um, in games, like setbacks in games? Like something like that, you could easily yeah. spiral hard, but you said you still made your kicks. Or, you know, so how did you deal with things like that? Yeah. I probably like initially I probably would have let that kind of stuff linger a bit to be honest I used to very much split my kind of kicking and like my gameplay up completely like so I, I used to like to think if I was having a bad game that I'd like to try you know at least my kicking to be okay or vice versa if I was kicking crap I'd like to hope it wouldn't carry on into my rub I, I would kind of split those up and it was, I felt as a goal kicker that probably made it easier I was very much I'd, I'd never really think of a previous kick that I missed or uh, okay, I'd probably think of maybe how the ball might have flown with certain conditions or or kind of aiming points and things to use. But um, I felt like that was kind of a benefit that I was very much just the next job, just focus on what needs to be done at that time. Um, in the gameplay, I probably found it a bit more different like that. Like an intercept, that would probably play in my mind for like the next play or two, and you're trying to get rid of or think of the next call to call, or um, you know, you're you're stressed and you might be under a bit of pressure. You're you're trying to figure out. I probably found that a bit harder to kind of let go of and, and move on to. But um, in in terms of the kicking side of things, I found it very easy, and it probably eventually is gotten better as, as the more experience you gain and the more times you're in those kind of scenarios and then um, more comfortable you are with your you know how well you know the game plan and the guys around you as well it, it, all that kind of stuff contributes to it so uh, yeah yeah how with the kicking how do you or how you like yeah how do you now or in the past uh, compartmentalize that or like like block like say forget about the previous kicks or yeah. forget about the intercept you threw five minutes ago or the thing that didn't go well like like how do you do that yeah i i i think a lot of it comes down to um just like comfort in like my routine and stuff like that you know like i literally like talking to you here i could literally tell you exactly what i'm going to do when the ref blows the whistle for a penalty or stuff like i literally wait for the water and stuff i'll have a few sips of that i know exactly how i'm going to place the ball how many bits of grass i'm going to throw up how many times i tap my toe like i like i could i could write it down for here and i think there's a bit of comfort in knowing that that even when i'm wrecked or regardless of how the last i'm just going to do the exact same every time and i'll visualize just the ball going through like i'll never visualize it not going through so um for me it's just just a real confidence into it. and i feel like i can just slip back into it. it took a bit of time but for me i'm at a at a place or where i was always when i was kicking my best or in my best you just 
nice if you're in that kind of flow state and you're kind of don't have to think about it um and it definitely is something that you have to work on and grow and you probably have to train under pressure a bit of times as well and um you, you know you've got to experience different crowds and noises and stuff as well but um i i think the the kind of the routine and the comfort of that helps me massively and just um in, in kind of my mental state and getting myself blocked out and knowing that you know when it comes to this i just I'm not thinking about anything else really yeah you know the way when you go out with a bag of balls you're enjoying it or when you're whatever go for kicks you, you enjoy kicking is it do you enjoy it in the game yeah, uh, I, I, I would say I do now. Yeah, I do. Like I kind of um, had my first two kicks there last Friday night, um, you know, but I was really looking forward to kicking. Like I'm at a stage now where I don't really, because uh, <laughs> my body isn't what it used to be. I, I don't get to practice really as much as I'd like yeah. to anymore, as much as I used to. So it's very much very selective practice for me. But um, no, I actually like I, I like goal kicking. I love like I like the. I actually like the pressure of trying to have, I'd love to have the winning kicks. There definitely was times where I was like, oh my God, please like let it be whatever, four points behind or something. So like a try, you wouldn't need the conversion or, or whatnot, but um, it got, kind of got to the stage where you were kind of, you liked to feel like you were the one who was contributing or who, who was kind of, the team was able to rely on you to get those kicks. And I haven't, I haven't actually had a huge amount of like, last minute kicks the kind of where it was on the line you know I, my last season in Connachtshire glad I hit the post with a last minute kick um to win the game uh that one still annoys me but um you know I've only had a few thankfully I've pretty much got every other one so um like but it's it's just a case of uh yeah learning to to live in it and kind of enjoy and appreciate that pressure I suppose like no. I don't think the the best goal kickers would kind of stay doing or would enjoy it if they didn't enjoy or if they didn't, you know, like or want that pressure. So um, it's definitely part of it. No, for sure. Yeah. And definitely by the time we got to Lansdowne, the team were relying on you. I remember whenever there was a penalty within 55, I was like, all right, three points, we can already go back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were trying to step up to take them. That was the problem. Was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was nothing better. And uh, so was there anything that helped you get to that point that you enjoyed the pressure? Because as I said, when I left school at 18, you were 20. Like that time, it was 100% the case where it was yeah. like, you were the one who was going to kick us three, six, nine, and you know that we were relying on your kicking yeah, to win games. I, I probably, um, it probably was from school to be honest. And like, as what is really like, but when I was in fifth year in school, we, we had a really good cup team and uh, we, we got far, we like we got to the semi final for of the cup, which was massive for us at the time. And uh, I too, we played Black Rock in the quarter final and I had a last minute kick in the first game to level it from the sideline. I got and in the second round then as well I'd also kicked all my kicks from the sideline to kind of win the game for us and and um I remember kind of just like the elation and just enjoying it and like knowing how much it meant to everyone at the time and um just even like even though the the, the kind of there was articles and everything in the papers I was like oh my god this was actually a big deal and like seeing how much it would kind of uh you know that that kind of pressure realizing how much i actually enjoyed the moment and the process and wanted to be able to do that again is kind of even when i was young so i kind of learned to lay, look it might have been a completely different um thing had i missed those kicks and had we not gone through i might have had a different outlook on pressure and match winning kicks but i kind of um it grew on me from an early age and it was something i kind of had a bit of experience and would have and really wanted to just 
do going forward, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, nice. And yeah. with um, I fully understand what you're saying about um being in boarding school and kicking, and I used to the same, uh, just yeah. always be out kicking. But uh, just to give people a, an understanding of how much time you spend kicking, like say in yeah. school, like. I'll, I, it's funny because we had I had a few of the nice guys back to my house there a few weeks ago we for a bit of a recovery dip in the river and I still have my rugby posts up in my back garden and they're laughing at me that but I, was, I remember I think it was for like my ninth or tenth birthday my dad put rugby posts up in the garden two scaffolding sticks and uh, best Christmas present I ever got I was just out there kicking all the time and I used to just kick all day every day at the back and literally in school like every day I used to just kick and like I wouldn't like couldn't say that enough to young kids now these days get out there just find what works for you like find your technique everyone kicks differently and has different strikes or ways about doing it but just find what works for you and put in the hours and enjoy doing it. i used to enjoy doing it like i still like remember then in school before the big cup days whether it was depending on where your match got put if we were in i think it was port leash or something like that our cup game was actually against ross gray and i'd go down the weekend before to port leash and i'd bring my dad and brother was last i'd make my brother lie in the puddles of water and hold the ball for me while i was kicking them over like and um, and then he like later on the years as well minute and Ubud, i used to go out to where the, the weekend before to the ground to do kick and it was just something i liked doing and something i put a lot of hours into and then it just became second nature and you know you, you kind of learn to enjoy and love the craft of it and it's just something you just do like then like you know you go forward to lands there and you have your days when you do it or after training your few reps and then connacht you know you'd be able to spend a bit more time like wednesdays were our down days but i always used to look forward to just going in with the bag of balls there and going out with the kickers and we'd, we'd spend our while kicking there and uh you know it's kind of um yeah like you kind of just learn to 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 love it like basically yeah, and I'm sure other, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe other skills are similar, like hookers with throwing or, I don't know, yeah. nines of passing or box kicks mm-hmm. or different things. But uh, it's interesting, something like when I'm coaching players now and we're, we're kicking after training or we're kicking, they, I feel sometimes they're looking for a magic pill. They're like, they're like mm-hmm. what, tell me what to, tell me what exactly it's like. And I feel like saying like, get the bag of balls every day for two years and kick every day and then come back to me. And you, you know, that's how yeah. you get better. Isn't I, I, it? Like, I kind yeah. of say that as well to some of you guys when I'm helping them with their kick and they're like, Oh, tell me what I did wrong. Or tell me what to do or how to fix my kick. Like, and I, I very much, well, I'm not going to tell you what to fix. or I'm not going to change your technique massively. You need yeah. to find a way that works. Like you need to be a natural kicker. There's some guys who just kick kicking. And if you can't kick you, you know, as bad as I say, yeah. you just can't kick like, you know, so you need to know how to strike a ball. And then look, there's the finer parts and different things we can touch on and that kind of mentality and a few different things that might help. But um, a lot of it is, like you said, that down to trial and error. Yeah. 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 And um, how are you finding now the today, last season, the player coach and getting into coaching and that side of things? Yeah, uh, really enjoying it, to be honest. Like it was, it's... Um, it's a bit of a it can be a bit of a tough dynamic at times trying to kind of play coach but that's um i'm very lucky there's we've a really good coaching team in, in nace and um the fact like johnny murphy's head coach so he, he's brilliant he can like just look after it all on match days and uh, it means i don't have to worry about any of that kind of selection or anything like that kind of stuff that's all looked at i can kind of just jump in and out on tuesdays and thursdays i'll take like a an attack drill or attack segment or i'll help lead with the backs i'll jump in and out and then when we're doing team stuff the other coaches will kind of lead it you know and i kind of i'm getting to a stage now where i'm i kind of 
know when I need my reps, you know, and I need to, you know, I need to train and get better as well as the other lads. But there's also times where I feel I can be better um, help by standing back and watching and getting another few lads reps and kind of trying to help out. So it's, I'm definitely kind of still learning that front, to be honest. Like, I, I think it would be tough if I was, if you were to be a head coach and do it. I know, I know some people do it and fair play to them, but I, I kind of, the dynamic it is at the moment, being an assistant coach and, and kind of helping out, I think it's it's working and um, it's definitely, you know, co- coaching, it's definitely a passion. I still feel like I'm a young coach. Uh, so kind of uh, uh, definitely something I want to pursue, yeah. Yeah, and what is the setup like in Nace um, training gym, or what's it like? Say, yeah, like it's it's probably very much your typical kind of amateur club setup. And in our like we train Tuesdays, Thursday evenings. You know, after work when lads are finished. Um, you know, I, I definitely think um, very much try to push the standard. So we probably time on the pitch from speaking to players and guys we, we've tried to pull that back a good bit in the last year or two rather than being on the pitch for two hours or an hour and a half whatever it is we've very much focused on um just having more quality over quantity and, and pushing and working the guys hard in the training when they are there and and being off the pitch in an hour or, or whatever it is and then trusting that the guys are kind of doing um you know we've, we've good little gym set up there in the club as well that guys will be in before trainings and you know it's open on the monday evenings as well that lads will tip in and do their bit and we ever have that we kind of there's a bit of um you know self-ownership there where guys look you, you need to get some stuff done on your own time but Tuesdays and Thursdays you're good to go and then Saturdays are match day so that's like it's you actually have very limited hands-on and, and, and time coaching when you think of it with the guys like Thursdays tend to end up once the season starts second half of the session is basically a team run so you kind of when you think of it you basically have a session and a half basically each each week to kind of impose what you want or there's limited hands on air so you really need to make the time work and, and be well organized and kind of trying to make sure we're still hitting on our kind of big rocks straight the week so um yeah but no i think like we've had really good numbers in, in nace like we've we've been able to have two three good teams training against each other which has helped massively and it's just improved the standard of our training so um hopefully we, st- we still go that way while also like we're obviously probably we're one of probably the highest ranked clubs outside of dublin um you know, in Leinster, so trying to have that kind of guys who are, a lot of them are homegrown, have come through Nace or Kildare, but also we have a few influx of guys from around the place, so trying to, that community focus is, is a big focus for us as well, so um, trying to touch on, on all areas, yeah. Good stuff. And what has, what was the challenge or the challenge you found coaching that you might have taught or something that you learned? Yeah, um, like, I, I, I still feel like you know, get getting to actually know the players off the pitch is probably be sometimes you just take it for granted or you, you know, you feel like you know some lads mm. and then you're hearing things behind the scenes or you actually try to try to find certain aspects out of bed and you're like, but yeah, I had no idea about that, you know. And you think you're kind of doing a good job taking a few good drills, but then you realize you're actually, you know, you didn't get to say hi to half the lads, you know, before the training session or, or things like that. So that's definitely an area that um continuous work on for me and, and trying to get to know thing. And it was one thing we I felt nice we actually did really well last year was uh, you know when the guys brought it in they they'd seen it in another club in, in Australia, I think it was, but just the three H's we used to do at the end of every Tuesday training session um so it was your hero your highlight and a hardship that you've gone through in your life 
and um, at the end of each session someone new would would be nominated from the previous week to do it and uh, I, I felt like it really brought us together a lot of the, the hardships were quite hard hitting a lot of it you, nobody had a clue a lot of things and we'd, we'd you know we'd grow men breaking down there after training sessions and it just it was a powerful I think it brought us brought us together as a group and got you to know guys um you know off the pitch that more and felt that I felt it brought us closer so that's that's definitely our, how you can kind of try improve or, or get to know guys at a more deeper level yeah that's brilliant I've never heard of that that's um that's such a good way of okay, yeah. uh, connecting people and uh yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. It's so true, isn't it? Yeah, when you start out, you think so tactically and technically yeah. and you know it all. Like, like yeah. you know, when you play, or you, you know so much and yeah. you realise like how little is actually needed because you, you don't have time to put it in for stuff. Yeah. You know, like you know all exactly. this stuff yeah, and it's yeah. like, all right, you you're got trying it. to cram it in, but you're like, yeah, what's important to you? Yeah, and then the getting to, um, yeah, getting to know people and like mm -hmm. connecting with people before training and then during training and then after training. That's something that yeah. I I feel I've gotten so much better coaching in the last couple of years of doing those things versus yeah, yeah. how much can I tell them? Yeah, yeah. Those little conversations, isn't it? Like, and just um, whenever you can, yeah. And yeah, because when you think about coaches you've had, it's like, even all gameplay, like what you were saying in Connacht, there sounds, of course, there's a lot there to put in, but it's, it's playing rugby at the end of the day yeah. for a good coach is someone who's like sound first up. Yeah, exactly. Like, as I said, like, you all remember your coaches from growing up, the ones who you loved and playing for, and then the ones who you know, either couldn't stand or didn't do it. And like, there was generally like that, they were generally sound. You just got on well and you felt like they, you know, they cared about you and wanted you to do well compared to the others. So um, it's funny, you kind of, you take your bits from certain coaches, don't you, who've, who've influenced you and you kind of try to ingrain your little bits and put your stamp on it as well. So um, yeah, but it's all, all, the, all the joys, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's a really good one about taking yeah. little bits from coaches. Yeah. I feel that yeah. 100%. Yeah. And uh, what bits from coaches have you taken? do you feel in, in you as a coach now um what bits do i feel uh like yeah bar like tactically stuff obviously there's a few different things like that but um no i think like see pat was my first professional coach who i ever had so um i think the, the importance he placed on actually greeting everyone in the room at the first thing in the morning whether it was handshake fist bump you know it's been well documented at this stage but i'd like to try think i'd do that going forward make sure i get to say switch the school kids here now we, we've trained in in an hour with the kids and it's always something i'll make sure to say hi to every one of them and um you know kind of checking how their day was going at school for a lot of them it's, it's a big release just gonna the rugby pitch afterwards there might be some might be struggling in the classroom some might you know love and excel in the classroom so um just making sure they have a, that bit of a connection so that's definitely one of them to kind of um, yeah, and then there's a few, few other little things that, and trips I probably have loads more that I actually can't even think of off the top of my head. I'd say you probably have to ask someone else as well who has kind of seen one of the things like, geez, he's just copying so and so. But look, it's uh, it's kind of I feel like um, you know, you kind of you grow as as, as you go along. Yeah, and um, that's one thing that it sounds very easy to mm. connect with people and giving a fist bump or a handshake, but it's actually extremely difficult. I don't know about you, but like, say if you 40 players on a field, yeah. it's, it's not like, Absolutely. it's not nothing. And yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm introvert. And sometimes, you know, if I go to coach, it's like, it's not the easiest thing to be going around no. to every single person, you know, and it takes time. Like you say. Yeah. Massive. And even like, 
obviously with, with the club and stuff, it's easy with the backs because I'll always be with the backs and I'll have yeah. and be able to get through them. And often there's not as many backs as well, but then it's the forwards just trying to catch up with them and like that. Sometimes you won't, and it's making sure you get them afterwards. We'll make sure we'll always sign off training as well by giving everyone a handshake around the circle. So you kind of, if you miss them at the start, you make sure to let them know at the end that you, that you kind of forgot them. But, um, no, it's, it, it is, isn't it? It's definitely something you have to kind of go out of your way nearly to do sometimes. Mm. Sometimes it's, it's easy to do it sometimes in a change room when they're all sitting there and you can just quickly bump around them. But um, sometimes you do have to go out of your way for sure. Yeah. And thanks for your time. Let's go quickly. What um, what are your kind of thoughts uh, going forward with coach? Like, you, you know, it's, it sounds like you're really happy with what you're doing at the moment, Wesley, but like, you know, you said you want to give a shot. How far in the future do you look? What What would you like to do? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough one, Brian. Like, I, I do kind of, I'm very thankful with where I'm at. I'm enjoying where I'm at at the moment. Uh, you know, I do have um, ambitions. I'd love to try and see how far a coach can take me, whether that's in the professional route or not. I'm not fully sure. Like, it's, mm. it's, it's a big step. It's a big change to kind of commit to professional coaching. Um, you know, you kind of, it's, it's a long hours. It's a lot of time away. Like, you know, yourself, but even the coaching now is a, is a lot of time taken up. So I probably, my initial goal at the moment is definitely to try and um, take Wesley as a school to, um, you know, be a more dominant force in, in, in rugby in Leinster and to see where we can go here and then um, continue going to with Nason with the school. And, uh, you know, I'd love to get involved with some more rep sides and kind of see to kind of, kind of that player development pathway as well is kind of something I'm kind of, passionate about and seeing players improve so um whether it is at a, at a provincial level or, or whatnot i'd love to kind of try and progress that level but it's hard to know like who's to say what if, if um you know a gig came up somewhere i wouldn't jump at it or, or who's to say you know that I'd, I'd be kind of turning things down to kind of stay where i am so at the moment i'm happy i'm definitely want to stay going with the commotion uh, with the coaching and, and commit to it so and uh, it's just all about trying to learn and stay uh, stay ahead and, and stay in the game really nice one yeah it's always what I always learned isn't it it's, yeah true yeah and last one um, when you mentioned there that when you were say 17 or something you kind of wanted to be professional but you would never tell anyone um, what advice would you give that young lad the, just when you were 17 yeah the know? first bit like, is to not be afraid to have like big goals and ambitions and to kind of be out there and saying that you know it's, there's a lot of um you'll get a lot of respect for and you'll i find you'll get a lot of help people will want to help you get to that where you want to be as well if you're very adamant about having a big goal and first of all even having a goal in the first place is massive you know kind of knowing where you want to do or what you, what you want to do um if you can find people that will help you then it'll only help you get to where you need to go so yeah for me it would probably be a bit more just being out there and actually telling look this is what i want to do can you can you help me can you know i, I want to get here how can i get there uh and then as i say to all the other kids like you've got to enjoy what you want to do and you've got to be passionate about it. you've got to be ambitious and passionate and just put in the hours like you got to put in the work like i was i was never the most athletically talented player or anything far from it so but I, i'd like to think I, I put in the hours and training and, and kind of trained hard and had a good attitude so i find that that'll get a lot of kids where they need to go if, if they have a good attitude and are willing to work hard and, and, and be ambitious off the back of it yeah so that's um you know as, as what probably many people will say anyway but that's definitely it for me
Nice one. Well, hey, Bo, congrats on a great career so far. You know, I'm sure yeah, a few exactly. years left there in the field. <laughs> and, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. And uh, best luck with the coaching and all that going forward. Cheers, Brian. Really enjoyed it, mate. Best of luck to you as well. Love on your work. Cheers for clicking in today. Visualization has come up quite a bit in the podcast. Craig talked about how it is part of his kicking routine. And I've created a visualization guide that you can download for free now over on my Instagram page at Off Field Rugby. This guide will help you stay calm under pressure, play in the zone, and perform better on the field. So jump over to my Instagram page now at Off Field Rugby, and you can go to the link in the bio, click that, and you can download it there. Please send the podcast onto a friend or into your team's WhatsApp group. And if you want to be an absolute legend, please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. That really helps other people find the podcast, helps other players and coaches learn from people like Craig. And it does so by helping the algorithm and people find it through the different platforms that people listen on. And I also love hearing your feedback. I have a couple of slots left for one-on-one mindset and performance coaching this season. If you keep doing what you've always done as a player, you'll get the results you've always got. And when working together, I help you get your mindset right to have success on a whole new level. It's unreal what you can achieve as a player when you're going after your dreams full of confidence and self-belief. If you're interested in having a free introductory chat to see if this will be a fit for you, you can DM me on Instagram at offfieldrugby or email me on offfieldrugby at gmail.com. Thanks, Mill, for clicking in today. Have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.